Welcome to EdTech Adventures. Join us as we explore the role of technology, STEM, and creative play in education. With expert guests, we'll discover how learning is always an adventure. Inventing an alarm to decrease harassment in the slums of India, using crowdsourcing to evaluate the quality of well water in Moldova. These are both examples of what kids have achieved when they use computational action to make a difference in their communities. Today, our guest, Natalie Lau, will share how she's fostered computational action with kids from around the world and integrated this mindset in schools and classrooms. Natalie is the executive director of the App Inventor Foundation, a nonprofit that empowers students as young as middle school to create mobile apps that improve their lives and uplift their communities. App Inventor started as a research project out of MIT and Google, and is a free and open source platform that has served 15 million people across 195 countries. Thanks so much for joining our podcast, Natalie. Thank you for having me. I like to start our interviews usually asking our guests to describe a memorable education experience that you've had as a student. So I think the one that defined my life the most was in my junior year of undergrad. I did this program through my university called MISTI GTL, and it was Global Teaching Labs. And they sent students to different countries and different cities to teach at different high schools. And I did a one month rotation at Barcelona in Spain, and I taught high school computer science, math, and physics. And I kind of went into the program with this kind of expectation that the students were in the middle of their semester, they'd already been learning some like programming for the CS class and I could like teach algorithms or something really fancy. And when I arrived, I realized, oh, they were like just starting out. So I had to kind of go back to the drawing board and figure out what I could teach them in one month. Uh, But that was a really cool opportunity because I think for me, I was like, I have a chance to show these high school students what's really exciting about computer science and how it can actually impact their lives now instead of this abstract, like hypothetical, like mathematical thing that they could study later on in the future. So I was trying to look for curricula that we could use that would really get them engaged in a very short period of time since I only had one month. And I was Googling and I found App Inventor and it came out of MIT, which is where I was from. So I was, automatically a little bit more drawn to it. And I decided to try it out. And within one week, my students were making like recipe apps and games that they were putting on their own phones. And it's that connection where they realize like, I can be a creator of technology that impacts my own life in little ways or big ways. And that that spark just really inspired me. So when I came back to MIT, I knocked on Professor Howie Bolson's door who's the professor at MIT who runs the whole lab. And I was just like, this is so cool. How can I help out? And he invited me to be a research assistant. And that is how I got to where I am today. And can you briefly describe what students and teachers can do with App Inventor? So App Inventor is a blocks-based programming platform for making mobile apps. And it has two different kind of interfaces. The first one is the designer. So you can drag and drop different components onto what looks like an app screen. So it can be like a button, a label, a slider, a picture, a video, like invisible components like internet of things or AI models or camera uh, components. And then you lay it out in how you want the app to look. 
And once you have everything ready, you go to the blocks editor. And if you've ever used Scratch or anything like that, it's based on Blockly, very, very similar. So every component has a set of blocks associated with it and you can pull them together and combine them in ways to create programs. And we're here to talk about computational action and how kids have been able to use App Inventor for computational action. But before we dive more deeply into that detail, just for people out there, how would you define computational action? So for me, computational action is at a very high level. While students are learning programming or computational thinking, giving them real world problems and real world contexts to apply their knowledge in. So like starting right from the beginning, letting them use their computer science knowledge to solve issues in their lives and in their communities. And that lets them better connect to the field and develop stronger computational identity as someone who can be a computer scientist and someone who can code. And it also really helps them learn computer science concepts in a deeper way. So I feel like when we think about like in professional contexts, when we're programming, we have this project that we want to build that usually has some real world application or impact. And we scope out what that is. And we like figure out this is the rough structure for building it. And for the nitty gritty pieces, we kind of Google and go on Stack Overflow. And for students in a lot of classrooms, it's not like that right now. They learn like, this is a loop, this is a conditional, this is what parallel processing means. And they don't usually have that connection to a real world application that they care about. And at the very beginning of their computer science education journey, I think that lack of community and connection can lose a lot of students, especially underrepresented populations in CS. Research has shown that they really connect well to feeling like they have some sort of impact and belong to that community. How has App Inventor then fostered computational action for students around the world? So as a tool, I think App Inventor really lowers the barrier to entry to creating a mobile app. For students like starting in middle school, they can make their first app on their own phones, Android or iOS within like literally three minutes. They can create a simple app and see it working on their phones. And from there you can create anything you want. So going from the tool, it really depends on what you do with it and how you teach it. And because it's so simple, a lot of community projects and teachers across the world are able to develop their own curricula around it. Like you mentioned the story of the girls in Dharavi in India. So there was a filmmaker who found App Inventor and decided to teach it to this group of girls in the slum. And they started out having very, very little technical background. And they just focused on what problem do we want to solve with technology? And they directed their learning and they looked up online videos on App Inventor towards solving that problem. And they ended up with the app Women Fight Back that helped them create SMS alerts when people were being harassed and do automated alarms. So I think the tool is very simple to use. And because of that, people can develop their own projects around it. It almost sounds like a blank canvas that teachers and students can use? It's a programming language that we're creating and we're hoping that people can use it to create any sort of app that they want. For the App Inventor Lab itself, we do a lot of research on different educational methods and also computational action. So I think back when I was a student, there was a researcher, Mike Tissenbaum, 
He ran this project at Malden, I think, where he was working with a few high school teachers to implement a computational action curriculum in their classrooms. And they were looking at how to clean up a nearby public waterway, I think. And they designed the entire curriculum for that set of classes around creating mobile apps to target different pieces of that environmental problem for their very specific community. So that was also a really interesting project to see. Then hearing these stories of how App Inventor has influenced or inspired students, how has that in turn influenced or inspired your development process for App Inventor and where you're going to take it next? That's a great question. So we always try to add new components based on what we hear our users really want. And in the past three years or so, we've added a lot of AI and ML components because a lot of, I think it wasn't students saying we want to use AI because we have these ideas for AI apps we want to build. It was more like AI is becoming such a big buzzword and it's a growing field. We want to understand what it is so we can follow up or participate in these conversations. And our philosophy is the best way to understand a technology is to build with it and construct things using it. So we created these set of AI extensions. One is called Look. It basically takes, I think, MobileNet now, or it's one of those models trained on ImageNet where you input an image and it tells you what it is. Um, and kids can use it to like create apps that scan using the camera on their device and tell them what objects are. And combined with other features in App Inventor, you can like translate this to another language or put it in a sentence and text it out, that kind of thing. Um, and then for my PhD, I created two components with the help of grad students for image and audio classification, where there's a website where students can go on and create classes for various images they want to classify or sounds that they want to classify. And the use cases for those ended up pretty interesting. So we hosted an appathon last year and a group of students from Hong Kong used that component to build a COVID mask detection app. So I think they combined it with a Lego Mindstorms component that had a camera and they put that camera on the door of their apartment and they trained it on pictures of people in their household with masks and without masks. And if it detected that you weren't wearing a mask while approaching the door, it would send an alarm to your phone and it would just be like, hey, you should put on a mask. So as you can imagine, that's like a super simple model to train and a super simple app to build. It's just you know, two classes, but it has some real like use cases in their lives. Those kids sound so innovative that <laughs> yeah. they're piecemealing different tools from different resources to build something like that. Yeah, they're really creative. When you're adding a new feature, for example, your PhD project or the fact that you're incorporating AI, how's the design thinking process when you're trying to add these feature or how often are you iterating on, on these extensions? Mm. So in the lab, I think we do a lot of discussion within the like scientists and the students in the lab and just draw from our own backgrounds. And then once we create a prototype of something, we usually test it out with a cohort of anywhere from 10 to 50 students. And we like to work with middle school to early high school students to target the lowest age population that interact with App Inventor. 
So in order to like test that, we usually come up with a one day to five day curriculum that uses the new component we're teaching, depending on how difficult it is. For the AI component, it was slightly longer than for some other components. And we'll have questions at the beginning and end of that study where we ask, what is your understanding of topic X? What do you think could be built with this technology? And then at the end, compare their answers. And through that process where they use the component and they build their own projects with it, we gather their feedback on what part was confusing. Was the wording on the block confusing to a younger audience? Was it too technical? Or do the combination of these blocks not make sense? And we iterate on that. Great. And I've heard that teachers are also starting to use App Inventor for their classrooms. How has App Inventor fostered computational action for educators and not just students? A recent example of teachers engaging with students is the Congressional App Challenge. So every year, the government hosts a Congressional App Challenge. I think they call it House of Code, which is really cute. And they have students from all the districts in every state across the U.S. compete. And we know a bunch of teachers who use App Inventor in their classrooms and encourage their students to build apps for the competition in that way. And I think this year, 14% of the winners of the Congressional App Challenge used App Inventor, which was really cool. And I think a lot of that was through encouragement by the teachers at their schools. It sounds like you spend a good chunk of time also developing that curriculum so that teachers can see what they could possibly do with App Inventor. What does your curriculum development process look like over time and how has it evolved over time now that you have more and more students and educators engaging with your product? That's a really fun story, actually. I think at the very beginning, when I first started developing curricula, I was just trying to think of like, what would be a really fun app that I would want to use or that kids would really want to build. And I would think of that app and then build a tutorial or a workshop towards that goal. But as I grew in my graduate studies and had to work with actual organizations teaching larger groups of students, I realized that there are standards that they have to adhere to. And we have to incorporate like internet safety or how do you give a presentation into our curriculum? So that's been a very like good journey for me in just understanding how the education system works. So I think these days we talk to a lot of teachers and representatives from school districts to figure out what are they currently teaching? What do they want to teach? How do we combine that with what App Inventor has to offer? And then also considering teachers' comfort levels with a new technology. So I think for teacher professional development or training, a lot of them who aren't very technically savvy, they don't want to be put in the position where they have to be the expert on the technology in the classroom. That's a lot of pressure for a lot of them, especially in under-resourced schools. So we try to develop the curriculum in such a way where they don't have to be the person with all the answers. And instead they're asking the students, that's an interesting question. Why do you think it needs to be built this way? Or that's an interesting solution you have in mind. How would you go about finding out how to build it? and kind of teaching the students how to find these resources on their own. 
Do you spend time in that professional development process educating the teachers about this concept of computational action on, on focusing on that impact during the curriculum? Uh, yes. So for the teacher training and PD session, we usually dedicate a large portion of the time to teaching teachers about computational action. I think that concept gets through to them very quickly and they hear about it and they're like, of course, that makes sense. Nobody likes seeing glazed over eyes of students in their classrooms. And I think a lot of teachers have that experience where if you give a student a project that they really want to work on, they'll just brighten up and spend more time on it than they would normally have to. And tying that to the students' personal lives or their communities that they're a part of is a really easy way to make that connection. And I think you've mentioned that you've seen educators using App Inventor to support several subject areas. Do you have any examples of how App Inventor has been integrated into different subject areas in the classroom? I think usually people integrate App Inventor into like math, science, technology classes as is normal, but we've seen some really cool apps come out of like art classes or like history classes. I saw one, this was a very basic app, but they did one hour where they created this Canvas app that all the students could draw on together. And the students could see what each other, like another student was drawing and share that. And that was a really engaging technology plus art experience for them. We've seen like physical education teachers and health teachers use App Inventor to let students create their own pedometers or nutrition trackers. And you can share that with your family or your friends through cloud database components. I think for language arts, we've seen a few examples where they've made script reading apps on their phones for like Shakespeare or something where you're doing a play and you want to highlight, this is my portion, press next. Now we're doing the scene and this is another student's portion. Oh, that's interesting. So it's almost the app is like those prompters that you right, hear about. Exactly. <laughs> that's so interesting to automate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've shared how much App Inventor has already made an impact in kids and educators' lives. What are your goals and visions for the future of App Inventor? One project that we're working on in the App Inventor Foundation is creating an ed tech platform for App Inventor. So we've really focused on the open source tool and giving the tool lots and lots of components and features. But I think we haven't focused on teacher support as much outside of just giving training and teacher PD. And with the pandemic pushing a lot of classes online, and teachers having to work over time to change their lesson plans and incorporate everything. We've had a lot of conversations about how we can really help in that process. And we're going to create this platform where teachers can, through App Inventor, like assign a class of students a certain assignment on the App Inventor platform itself. And it's going to have a sidebar where it can do step-by-step tutorials as you're programming and you can input your answers to worksheets. And at the very end, we want to be able to have teachers export that data and put it into whichever LMS that they're using, Google Classroom or Canvas. So that's one project that we're working on. In the future, my hope is that in five years, every single middle schooler is able to learn App Inventor and figure out that they can make a mobile app, even at that young an age. 
hopefully sometime in the near future, making a mobile app will be as easy as creating a Google Slides document or a PowerPoint. It's just a way for you to express your ideas. It's not this huge technical hurdle that you'll have to jump over. And how will the concept of computational action play a role in the future of edtech? I hope that it can really be incorporated more deeply into curricula and examples that people show when they talk about kids engaging with technology. I think we see that right now with a lot of hackathons and competitions where students are creating projects that have impact in their community. And I'd love to see it incorporated into official classroom standards more broadly as well. Oh, so almost see them in standards themselves, not just as an afterthought. Yes. Yes. So what advice would you give yourself when you first started working with App Inventor? I think when I was first starting out with App Inventor, my first project was to create a online community for the teachers who were using it. And I was working with this educator named Karen, who was a teacher and knew this community really well. And I was more on the technical side of that project. I wished at that time I had been more brave and engage more deeply with the teachers that I could have at that time. I think I would have learned a lot more, much more quickly that I now know about the education space and how to best support students and teachers. At that time, I thought that my audience was the students themselves, and I was creating curricula and materials for kids and other students like me to view and consume. But Teachers have such a big impact on what their students see and what they do. And I should have been speaking to that community a little bit more at the beginning. Yeah, it's fascinating that a lot of us in this ed tech space will forget one versus the other because it's hard to juggle both audiences in your mind since they're so different. (laughs) Has that been easier to juggle now over time? Yes, I think it's just you have to always be thinking of both and creating materials that speak to both populations and having advisors from both pools that I talk to on a regular basis is great for that. And I think that's especially fun now that I'm a little bit older because I get to connect with new students every year and hear about what they care about and what the new interesting thing is this year. Like I learned about TikTok from an app inventor student, which was I knew it existed, but they were just so excited about it. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's great. (laughs) No, I think that's always people, when you ask educators why they're in this space, I feel it lets you stay connected to the younger generation in a way. And it's also sounding like your curriculum, what your teachers have been doing, half of it is really just listening to the student, right? For sure. I think one really amazing thing that I've realized over the years is this current generation of students, they really, really care about the environment. I think when I was going through middle school and high school, it was always something that I liked and it was taught. But when you ask kids, what are you passionate about these days? I think 80% of the students I spoke to were like, I'm really concerned about climate change and I want to do something to solve that. And I I want to help people recycle or be more clean in their living. And it's just such a priority for them. And I I think that's amazing that they care so much about 
this world. Right. And why not tap into that when right, it comes exactly. to <laughs> developing curriculum? Yes. That's right. And piggybacking off of that, what advice would you give to students and teachers who want to integrate computational action into their own lives? I get this question a lot from the students that I ask or that I talk to. They always ask, how do I get deeper into CS or how do I get better at it? And my answer to that is, I think you should engage with a problem in your community that you really care about. And then think about if you can use CS to address that problem. So instead of figuring out what is the next thing in computer science that you should learn, you should try to figure out what a problem that you care about is and then try to apply CS to solve it. So that's what I usually tell students. How to get engaged in computational action for teachers. I think a really good way is for teachers to talk to like community leaders that they may be in touch with, like um, the library or a local bakery or restaurant and work with them to create these like smaller projects for their students that groups of students could work on. That creates a really nice like local connection for the students. And I think at a certain age, students benefit from scaffolding in the design process and giving them these like pre-structured problems could help with that as well. And you mentioned connecting to bakers or other people in the community. What do you tell educators when you have these students making these apps, feeling like, oh, I'm going to solve this problem? How do you navigate that conversation to help them get more of the community involved so more people will use the app? That's a super important topic. I was recently talking to a current master's student, Nicole, about her work on computational action. And she's creating this curriculum that's like a five-step computational action curriculum. And the last step of that is what she is calling launch and land. And it's basically like now that the class is over and you have your project, what do you want to do with it from here? Like, where will this go? Do you want this to be self-sustaining? If so, you have to think about how many hours am I going to put in every week? Do I need to get other people involved? Do I need funding to keep this going? And I think having those conversations and structuring out the work that need to be done during the class will help you decide whether or not you want to continue it forward. And also I think the message should be, it's okay if you don't want to keep doing this and make it into a big thing. It's probably a valuable learning experience already. And you can figure out why this solution didn't address your problem in the way that you expected. And the next time it'll do better, or you could share that experience with people who are working on that problem. Great. Well, thank you so much for being part of our podcast, Natalie. And I hope people out there, you really take this message to heart and try out some computational action in your lives as well. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to EdTech Adventures. Please subscribe to catch more of our episodes and leave a review to support the show. For more resources and info, visit us at codecombat.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Chang. We'll see you on our next learning adventure.